Good evening, I'm Ted Koppel. Surely everyone knows by now that Buckwheat is dead. But for those of you who have not seen the videotape of Buckwheat being shot, let's take a look. Watch and listen. One day, these facts may save your life. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Today, I am going to dye my pubic hair. Let us face, without panic, the reality of our times. The fact that atom bombs may someday be dropped on our cities. And let us prepare for survival by understanding the weapon that threatens us. An atom bomb destroys or injures in three ways. Tie Web, Heavy Longmire, Gustav Mateblanc. London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second. This is GLK London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Come on then, Plato, enlighten me. All right, y'all ready? Let's, uh, let's recount all of those stories we just told. All those stories in the break? Well, there was Smokey and the Bandit and a French girl. Anyway. I didn't even get to the time that I dyed my pubes, but we'll continue on, I guess. Hey, that's, oh, that's, 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 that's that deserves happened. a whole episode. I like them natural. <laughs> I'm not going to say that's never happened. Was it intentional or unintentional? Where do you think they got that idea? <laughs> It's not really a long story, like much in that region, but it's, uh... (laughs) It was one of those things where I'd watched a movie... Hot Dog? (laughs) An above-the-more PG movie. It's a movie called Blank Man. It's kind of a, not an exploitation black film, but it's just like... uh, Damon Wayans? Damon Wayans, a black superhero. My favorite Rocky movie... Is Rocky one? Uh, and then he's I'm blank familiar man. with his work. The people he's fighting is Robert Townsend Jr. Yeah, his crew in that movie all have bleach blonde, Eminem blonde hair. <laughs> and for some reason, I was thinking, all right, well, maybe I should dye my hair on the top of my head this color. But much like the instructions on any carpet cleaner you have in the house, try on an area that will not be seen very often first. There you the go. Bold and it's like, all right, well. I'll just go get some Clorox bleach and uh, rag, <laughs> soak that some bitch, and just pinch shit down there for a while and see what happens. I waited a couple of days, forgot about it, and then for like the next four or five years, I'd always had like Aubrey brown pubes. I was just like, this should be a charcoal area. So do I. And it's like ruby red. And so I figured, you know, I don't know. You just gave it a little highlight, you I, know. In my an ombre, uh, <laughs> ombro of sorts, I would say. In my research of vintage new pictures, well, Merkins, apparently back in the '60s, the women dyeing their pubes was a thing. Was a thing. I would, I see. I think I'd be more into that as opposed to if it was just the bush. I prefer the bush with like the runway arows. Like blonded into the dark bush. Wow, so you're talking like full level. design. Yes, not just like changing the color of the carpet to match the drapes. Like I need like the Playboy Blenny to be etched in there, basically. Well, you're going. 
full. Well, you it's know, a, both an artistic and an engineering endeavor. Grass lines I that mean. requires <laughs> a bush, a high bush density. Yeah, and not not everybody's got a high bush density. Some I'm, people have a sparse bush. Yeah, the wispiness of like some of those <laughs> shit dogs. <laughs> Wispy. With, I don't want that. Like, and, and unfortunately, not all peoples of uh, varying uh, shades of pigment. <laughs> Boy, have, that uh, was, that the wheels ra- were turning. That was a rainbow uh, launch if I'd ever seen a well, grenade I mean, go. I, I, <laughs> I may have, I may have seen just about every uh, race and creed nude. <laughs> some of them in person, makes some one not. of us. And there's some, there's some definite traits <laughs> that you may find in some uh, folks from different parts of the world. I need a nice Greek woman in here to test this theory out. Wow, that might get you the density that you need. I need a Constopolopos. A Sascrotch. Yeah, you could probably do like a full-on Rubik's Cube situation. We can share a comb. It's okay. <laughs> Afro pick wedged in there. <laughs> As if got, I've ever used an Afro pick in my fucking life. <laughs> quest love and a leg lock. Take, what would it take for you to grow out? Um, I've, I've done it before in fifth or sixth grade. The bigger problem is not my will or interest in doing it. It's the in-between time. Like, um, as you currently see, I'm like got a shit little dusty mustache that's being outgrown by some scruff right now on my beard. The hair, I would let it grow out, but the in-between time of, you know, normal little shaved haircut right. and reasonable, respectable afro, or even just an inch high afro, everything between is just so shitty. Yeah. It would take an extra 10 minutes of my day to to get it, whether I'm combing it backwards or forwards. And, you know, it just, now that's, that's the shit part. Once it gets uh, an afro, yeah, it's maintenance, but the payoff's good. The in-between part's not, not good. When you were a kid, were you subjected to the box? Not as often as I would like to have been. <laughs> was a real low level vagina joke but um <laughs> my dad you're, has you're kind of a, here. more of a square head and yeah. he has that's pretty much his standard cut is to kind of box it off not quite the kid and play level but because we have the some, cameo level the cameo like the, the, yeah. the, the, word the up military bud buzz cut level, right or the gotcha. cameo well, we some, had some somewhat. we had some folks i had to think about what you meant in our cameo, hometown the actual had, band yeah, we realize we're way older. <laughs> That's true. We're throwing out all these 80s references. And it, he was Do not you remember, born uh, yet. One guy, I guess he maybe was a year younger than, than Heavy, that had the slant box. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was Fools. Like, yeah. it was at about a 45. Yeah, it was geometry. I don't know that I've known anyone who've had, who's had that. And it was high. Yes. But a look that's become somewhat popular, not so much recently, but... The Dallas or South Dallas fade is one that's kind of my rounded haircut now, but it would grow into an afro on the back part. I've seen that, yeah. There's a player in college basketball right now that has, and I can't remember what, TCU, one of their best players right now, has it where it's kind of a fade in the front, but it's kind of shag, and they call it a booty cut in the back. I don't think Um, I've seen that. It's afro on the back side of that. I saw that. It's not a good look. It's Not, not good. Not a good look at all. I'll bleep it out, but had the cameo. Oh my gosh. The late, the late great.
We'll fix that. We'll keep we'll keep that out so no one has to yeah. experience that mental image. Oh, it was every feta. single day we were like, dude, you really need to do something about that. That was a big guy. That was one of those guys that was full grown like what? Yeah. Freshman year? He was a thirty year old freshman. Right. Big man. So the entire time we've been having this conversation, I've been housing these Sour Patch kids, as you can see, they're empty. But I've been extremely distracted by the marketing uh, approach on the back. The hashtag that they recommend you use is uh, abbreviation for Sour Patch Kids, SPK. But the whole time I've been just staring at this and just been like, don't say this word. <laughs> um over and over and over and over, and I've just been staring at it and just been like, man, I'm going to say some real racial terms. And I'm just like, all right, well, if there's ever a place to do it, it might as well be on this. <laughs> SPK, what, what would that? How uh, how would that sound if you were to say that? I wonder. I'm see, we're, I mean, Oh, oh, I'm like yeah. sitting there thinking of an acronym. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. We're race neutral here, so we don't even. <laughs> we don't see color. Yeah, we don't Being think that about this that. this will be uh, broadcast outside of the wall, if anything, I'm just working the crowd. There's going to be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be playing right into the, to the people eating Monterey Jack cheese. <laughs> and you worked in a wall reference, so I feel like that was levels there. North so many levels, I should say. What are we at? About three hours now? We're, we're at an hour. You um, told me. We got time for an, one email. We can do one or two. All right. I don't I don't want to ruin Ty's curfew. It's it's your call. You no, do. I mean I I'm staying here, so it doesn't yeah, matter. So you're it's fine by me. The only reason heavy wasn't allowed is because I just I was confident in my relationship, but not that confident. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's you better be careful letting yeah. him in the hen house. Yeah, uh that man uh, speaking of heavy. <laughs> heavy came out to the 1 million IJB or Yeah, sorry, the 1 million blowout network <laughs> IJB yeah. retrospective. I'm sorry yeah. I had to miss that. I heard it was fun. It was fun and Lucy had a good time. Yes, sweet Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> And one of our emails is in reference to this Good. from someone else. Not about Lucy. Well, I got there fairly early because I'm never sure about traffic and everything. About so noon. Went... <laughs> yeah, about noon. <laughs> and everybody, I got to meet some new people. I got to meet uh, Valley Butcher. Yeah, okay. that was real. a pleasant surprise. That was great. And a few other people that we'll recount because we've got some emails further down the line. Yeah. But people are like, are Ty and Heavy going to be here? Because... People are used to seeing me. The novelty is worn off. The shine on the penny is gone. You understand that. Right, sure. And I said, well, I know that they've talked about it, but I just don't expect it. So I'd already kind of level set, and I got asked a bunch about whether the two of y'all were going to be there. Well, I was planning on coming up until like that afternoon. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I know. And and I knew that you had stuff the next morning and lots of things. And we are, despite... What people may think, we are professionals with real obligations outside of this. So, as far as they know, as far as they know, much to my chagrin, heavy shows up about nine-ish, fucking rock star heavy. People were sprinted in the door. <laughs> That's pretty fast. I'm the winner. Like through okay, all the first smoke off, machine first before off, he came in. He can't sprint, so we know that's not true. <laughs> yeah. 
I was the fastest in my class. There was a quick shuffle with the lowered shoulder in my direction when he entered but the room. He runs like a beaver on two feet. Exactly. But was he floor, wearing his wrestling shirt? No, he was actually dressed kind of nice. He was oh, car hearted up. He put on some Dracar, didn't he? I don't get out much. I, he might have <laughs> smelled good. I didn't hug him. People were losing their shit that they met heavy. He is awesome. Like he, he sidled up next to Lucy and just kind of. Did he get a hug? Oh, well, she, once she realized who he was. Yeah, she was rocking thigh highs and just doing her normal. <laughs> no, business. she didn't have the thigh highs. She had on super high heels and how heavy might have been in the thigh Heavy might have hit thigh high mo- moccasins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I used to own the Lakota moccasins. Yeah. The Lakota. <laughs> Minnetonka. And. He was just very, and he was eating it up. I mean, oh, imagine. There's nothing more that Heavy enjoys other than Heavy's popularity. Have we ever told you how popular he is wherever we go? No, but I know how popular is he is the two or three times I've met him. We were at a funeral one time. He's like the mayor of the 903. Yeah. We were at a funeral back in our hometown, and we were expecting it just to be family night because we knew the person that had passed away was very popular. Yeah. And it turned into, no, we got you here. We're going to have a little service right now. Well, and there's all there's also a cultural component to the service we were at. Yeah. I, that's not the first of those services I've been to, and those family night service things can go three hours on Yes, yet. yeah. We were there, and we had, Ty and I had not eaten. So we're there for a couple of hours now. Yeah. And we thought it was going to be about an hour. And it yeah, was we were expecting over to get two. In and, and it's going long. And you're, we saw your dad there. Saw yeah. Heavy's dad. And we have already gotten to the door. We are outside. Where's Heavy? Waiting to go eat. That's waiting what we're doing. He knows we're waiting <laughs> to go eat. Son of a bitch is still at the front of the church. Talking to every person he can find. I mean, shaking hands, kissing babies, laughing. You know, it's just, come on. It took, it took a good 30 minutes to get him out of there. And we walked back into the church and stood there at the back of the church and watched him walk down the aisle and literally stop at every single person and shake their hand and talk to him for a second. Kiss a baby. And I mean, he loves people. I don't know why, but he loves them. He is a man of the people. I like hippies. We had a uh, speaking message. of the people. Let's hear from him. Let's hear from boom. Oh, you with the segway. It's the McAllen professional segway. This That's is what, <laughs> this is what happens when you become part of the blowout podcast network. That's right. He is becoming the Black Falconer before our eyes. <laughs> co-host of not one, not two, but three podcasts. By co-host, it's really three fifths of half of those. <laughs> Nice. I don't way to work that in, buddy. <laughs> way to work that in. We I weren't going to say it, but since you did, I wasn't going to say it on air. <laughs> well, we got a message from one Jordan James. Speaking of JJ, what up? And JJ was enjoying the night. Was he there? Yes, he was a star of the night. Oh as, man! As popular as heavy was that evening. Aside from Mike Soroy's wife, JJ stole the night. Yes. Saroy's wife was there? No. Oh. PJ from Little Elm. <laughs> who calls into Shake Joint regularly. Who yeah. actually listens to this, I found out. Okay. He'll I know the, the name. Masters here soon and call him from the Masters. Uh, so if you listen to all of it on uh, Shake Joint, you'll get to hear PJ from Little Elm just telling you of 
well, he opulence. Got, he got in trouble the other day calling in for uh, bashing uh, what, what's a, he blowout, doing? a blowout podcast uh, sponsor. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he called in and started talking bad on either the beer. I think or it was. Someone. I think it was oh, on, oh, his... on the on the tickets. Yes, that's because he's pro stuff yes. up. Well, yes. it's because he works for yes, them. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, yes. so PJ shows up wearing a neck brace and an upturned visor per a hypothetical off Dragon Break. That so may have been... thing. I missed. I missed the hypothetical. Well, when he first showed up, I'm like, why is that guy dressed like that? Because I'd never seen PJ before. I'd certainly heard him. Right. But I'm like, man, this has got to be a bit because he was also carrying a half-scale inflatable love doll. Okay. Which, come to find out, he had named Liz Saroy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he was going around having everybody sign it and carrying sure. it around, you know. And being PJ, he's not quite right. in his uh, revelry. <laughs> so it, it was quite the uh, force to be reckoned with. But that was getting plenty of attention. The other force was one young J.J., and as you mentioned, the craft beer selection was, was strong. Was strong. Was it? Four Corners is amazing oh, at all yeah. times. Don't get me wrong. Like I enjoy, legitimately enjoy Super B. I'll drink other beers, whatever. But I like Super B. Uh, Local Buzz is great. Both of um, those are great. The Notorious OAT is a pretty solid stout. Um, but they make good beer. Yeah. It doesn't hurt that they make solid little pop tops and the novelty of it. I wish that I dipped every time that I have those cans pretty legit. The downside of this is that when you throw a, an, an event like this and tell people some scant time of seven, right. eight ish, nine ish, and then build in like, Hey, this may be a marathon night, seven to two potentially. Yeah. It's a decent chunk of change of time, seven hours. And you're drinking craft beer that whole time. With a high you ain't gonna make content. it. Yeah, you're no. not gonna make it the whole night. Now, JJ, not so much for the drinking part. He brought his own fun, sure. but he was he was he at was, level 100 from the get go. So at so he was he at DefCon one. So exactly. as he rolls in, he is very you know everybody's happy to see JJ. You excited. can't miss him. He's no, you can't seven miss feet him. tall. Well, when the when Hunter's Strokes cover band starts playing, JJ is literally front and center, like. And he's six foot five. Legs touching the stage. <laughs> Have you met him before? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You've met him before. Yeah. He's six five and as tall he's as a big can man. He still he still had all his hair. He's dressed like a a homeless librarian. <laughs> that is not fair. Well, it's a homeless accurate. New Mexican librarian. A homeless New Mexican. He's got this, <laughs> this Southwest this, flair. He this, brought the Southwest jacket. This Navajo rug cardigan. <laughs> I've got more than two of them. And then his normal loose shirt and capri, right. whatever. And he's got his man bun up, the, or at least a ponytail pulled up, samurai style. He does him. And he is dancing. So he asks, question for Heavy and Gustav, and in this case, the illustrious KJ, which of the numerous dance moves I employed at Club Dada <laughs> were your favorite? Now, all I pretty much saw were... Did he do the Axl Rose? No, it was much more what I've seen at Dave Matthews concerts of people on shrooms. Oh, okay. Just just the free for all, free for all, vibing, vibing, just shaking and moving with every note. There was no Dieter. So I will go on record and say I don't remember. I know that he was dancing because I saw the tweets later on. I recall that he was dancing because 
you know, I remember making comments about it. I don't remember him dancing because I had enjoyed the night enough to not remember that he was dancing. Um, so I can't answer that fairly, but I know that he didn't employ a move that I would have hoped he did. And I would call that the rooster where you kind of hold, uh, your <laughs> elbow, the inverted side of your elbow kind of close to your forehead and you curve out <laughs> your hand like you're shooting a three and you just blow it out like you've got, uh, whatever they call on top of rooster heads. And then you just kind of jump up and down like a bird. Um, if he would have pulled out the rooster dance, I would have been, yeah, I would have lifted him up my shoulders like Don Shula. Assuming well, his, his head would have touched the damn seat. You would have carried That's him true. off like the 72 but, dolphins. Uh, but he def, exactly, but he definitely was the, the, the bell of the ball. Yes, he was, he was the focal point of, cause nobody else was dancing, I don't think. Uh, I was, I was doing a little vibey sway, but definitely not a dance, right. I would say. Yeah, he was up there and you, obviously you couldn't miss him. I really hate that I missed that. It, it was a good night. It yeah. was fun. Very much. And kudos to Machine for pulling that off because that was a, an effort and really good. He also has a little bit for Ty. Is AKA he gonna... the 903 local college basketball savant. I thought he's going to start talking shit about playing me one-on-one again. No, but he still <laughs> thinks he can beat you. Well, who you got in the NCAA tournament, Ty? Good luck, youngin. As well, you're down see. to like a 33% chance of getting this right. Yeah, right now, I'm, I'm kind of torn between Gonzaga or North Carolina. <laughs> They're kind of my... <laughs> They're my... T- in fact, I, I mean, I don't want to go out on a limb, but I feel like about the 140 mark of the North Carolina game, they're going to be up by five. Maybe, hell, I don't know, 74 to 69 or something like that. That's I don't a good know. Guess. I, I feel like we're, we're skirting a line of infringing upon the, uh, tell me where to turn, uh, live sports updates, but this is a different, this is a completely different angle in the fact that you're predicting the future. Yeah. I'm totally, I mean, this is not a sports flash. This is prediction. This is, I mean, this is as good as I get right this here. This is great. So in a minute, we'll talk about athletes' dicks, and I will recount <laughs> a story about how I had a uh, serious injury to my leg. Exactly. Are those two related? Well, <laughs> only tertiary. I did tell you the... uh Went for a jog. I don't think I day. did it on the show, but I told you all both, the you and Heavy, the story of the... Locker room situation of yes. wonderment. That yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Remind me about that off Did air. Did you hear KJ. the, before we move uh, to the next one, did you hear the bit that uh, Justin mentioned that they did on Bad Radio? You may have heard the original one, where after the tournament, they asked them to take a blank bracket and write out how it ha- occurred. Like, Oh, really? Write in how many of the matchups you remembered won. Because obviously you can probably you know get the final four right. and build their place in. But then try to chart the paths of everybody. Oh, that's yeah, a great idea. Like, that's a pretty impressive thing if you can remember, you know, if you paid more attention. than just the final yeah. four's paths. Yeah. yeah. That, no, that'd be a tough one. But anyhow, I right. would have felt pretty confident of that, like back in college. Right. Now, no way. I, th- I think that's a good bit. At no point in my life would I be able to even tell you no. who no. were in the final four of in any fact, given year. I, I could tell get, you, any I other could sport. ask you. What who is the, what's the mascot for the University of North Carolina? Tar Heels. See, that's that's well okay. beyond what Can, I would Okay, South Carolina. 
game well, cocks. I mean, you're hitting oh, his wheelhouse. Of course. Okay, we're working there. Oregon. Ducks. And Gonzaga. No fucking clue. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Bulldogs, correct. Yeah. Okay. Three out of four is not yeah. bad, though. That's. I think you should be proud of that. I know Ray will. He'll be proud of you. Love you, Ray. And Glenn. Didn't we? <laughs> didn't you promise Cody? Miss you, Clay. Yes, Cody is the next one. Okay. Now, this is a Cody email. I love Cody. Cody's I mean, we all love Cody. Cody I is, love Cody. He's one of our longest, faithfulest, and a true 903 hero. But sometimes Fuck his email. Travis is what he just said. <laughs> I love Travis. <laughs> and Travis knows. And Travis's wife. We are going to eventually have that North Texas, West Texas war. We are. Uh, Travis's wife is now a full on <laughs> listener. Yeah. Oh, her name's actually. Yeah. Okay. What's we up, may have dog? to edit that out. We'll, we may break, we'll bleep that out. I love the fact that when. Did I don't know if KJ heard this, but you know when we we all went to that rabble. Yes, I didn't hear the follow up from that now. Well, because I had to ask him about this at they uh, were IJB there, the other night. And then after the fact, she asked Travis <laughs> if me and Gustav were a couple. <laughs> like, we're really gonna have to check ourselves on what kind of vibe we're throwing down. When Not we're to out mention, like, what couples are sh- is she seeing out west, like? To set that standard, or was it that she sees so few that she's like, well, and, I guess. And I guess I was like the wife in that, because I was... Well, you were wearing that dress. I was a prairie dress. I was sort of interested, but I wasn't, you know, actively... Right, And right, I was right. talking to her. It was probably the holding hands that gave yeah, you guys Yeah, we did right. sit next to each other. If, you know. if, you, if I walked around with a guy who looked like Timothy Oliphant all the time, I'm sure as shit would be... Uh, <laughs> Interpreted as and you know we would like. Do you need? Do you need something, honey? (laughs) Yeah, you did. You did bring me a drink on a couple of occasions. (laughs) But yes, she thought Ty and I were a couple, and you know what? I was flattered because if that's what I can get, hey, you just call me. I'm doing all right. Anytime (laughs) could do a lot worse. But we're glad to have her listening. And strikes me more of a bear pursuer, a bear hunter. Hey, I'm Uh, I'm game for whatever. Have I ever told the bear, uh, Gustav what? and the bear story? Well, let's get Cody mm. and then we'll circle back. I don't All think right. so. Or actually, Gustav and the three bears. <laughs> oh my God. All right. So Cody's title already is a mouthful. Cody, a bit verbose, but we love it. Too long, didn't read. A Nigerian king is about to make me rich. <laughs> Wonderful. How's it hanging, fam? This was intensely painful to type. I was strolling the dark net recently, as I am wont to do, and you wouldn't believe it, but shortly after making an unnamed purchase, I happened to receive an email from a King Ubuntu. Ah, yes. After sorting out his apparent operating system affiliation, he assured me that he was so wealthy that he had recently resorted to burning large sums of hot, wet cash in similar fashion to Heath Ledger's Joker from the tour de force Christopher Nolan film of cinema and movie fame. I graciously offered to pay for shipping of the sticky, dirty cash through a small but sizable <laughs> crate on the Maersk McKinley Molar, a triple E class ship. Now, he includes the little slash to the I'm O sure. in Molar. I don't I'm know sure. what that's called. <laughs> I don't know, but 
in ooh, your ooh. Uh, Scandinavian. Yeah, I, it's it's not the oolong one. That's no. the dots over the top but or whatever it's, it's called. And it's not the tilde. No, right? it's the it's slash, full slash. The o. Those are the only two. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Accents but that I know. Tip of the hat for your level to de- of eye for detail, there, Cody. After some time in relative seclusion from contact, in order to mentally prepare for my sexy, sweaty, musky cash, I am happy to announce that my ship has come in. Secrecy will be paramount in the coming months. The online persona I've handcrafted over the last 2.5 years will no doubt come in handy, in large part due to what the hospital should have seen as blaring evidence of head trauma after my wreck, but the nature of my savant (laughs) syndrome is not the topic at hand. Now it's time to begin the process of cutting out the words fun size, quote unquote, from candy wrappers and gluing them to $100 bills for future self-humor. Totally unrelated topic. If you had a hefty bag irresponsibly full of dank, dap cash, where would you go and what would you do? Sent by Krugerrands and Spanish Bullion, get buck, Cody. Classic Cody. So we have a chapter three is where we got to the question, right? Yes, a hefty bag <laughs> full of questionable, slightly damp, musky smelling cash. Where mm. would you go, and what would you do? And we all agree that laundering money is not what it sounds like, correct? That's correct. That's okay. not. Uh, if if anything, everyone should have known now from uh, Avin Barksdale in the <laughs> early seasons of yes. The Wire or uh, Breaking Bad did a good job yes, of also. Uh, this as well. Okay, I'm ashamed to admit I still haven't seen The Wire. You and Clay just keeps taking steps back in life. I want to tell you, I need to. Um, all right. You want to start this time? Well, I mean, I think... How much... Did we give a quantity or just a No, unnamed? it's just an un... And it's not... It didn't tell what denomination these bills are. So I'm guessing that a loose bills in a hefty bag, if they're ones, I mean, you're only looking at a few thousand dollars maybe. Yeah, I mean, I would be... At that. Highly suspect of their genuineness to begin with. So I guess that would be your first step. Go buy a counterfeit pen? Well, it's whether or not you knew, if you had a contact or you knew anyone that you trusted enough to verify if the money was real or not. Yeah. I mean, I agree when you buy a counterfeit pin, but counting it, period, would be probably step one. Yeah. So let's say you count it and you've got 27.5 in there. I'm going to bet a local radio personality that he can't catch two hogs. I'm going to put 27.5 down on that five-minute mile. (laughs) Six-minute mile. (laughs) No, I'm making it five. Oh, if we're going to do 27.5. If you're bumping it up, all right. Um, boy, I don't know. I mean, I like the hell or high water idea of laundering it at a casino. That is one of the easiest places, I think, That's to launder true. money if it's a small, you know, right. if it's not crazy amount, as long as it's not counterfeit. And you've got to be, well, you've got to be in and out of there quick enough to where at a busy time they'll cash out in chips and then turn around and cash back out in cash, correct? Yeah, which you could do it over several trips. Yeah, that's true. Because you can take the chips out with you. The main well, you thing can hit is, several casinos in the same area. The main yeah. thing is that it's not, um, that it's not counterfeit. Yeah, that's going to be your big So, hurdle. validate the money. So, we're going to Count see the, the money. We're going to see Count the Choctaws. Money. Is that what you're telling me? Well, and, uh, we also have to answer the question of whether or not we're going to even look into, let's say we get over the hurdle of it being real and not okay. being counterfeit. Then there's a question of, is this 
stolen money? Is this dirty money? Is someone going to come looking for this money? Are we dealing with sequential bills? Right. So, I mean, you could give like a cursory overview yourself to kind of check that out. But if you had somebody that you trusted that could, you know, verify whether or not it was real or not, they might be able to help you with some of that too. Or your other bet is to just go straight launder. If we had a a friend who has a sister in law enforcement, who mm. may or may not be in the 903. Right. Enjoys shopping, enjoys Norma's. Like, I would take her to breakfast with some right. of this money. And we're hey. just saying how maybe to the Anchor here. Motel These, and then to the anchor call motel. her sister for advice. And I've heard do. there can often be some kind of finder's fee involved in that kind of thing. Absolutely. I don't know. I'm don't not know. sure. I'd probably just keep it. I mean, we've established I'm cheap. But yeah, but do you, I feel like I would have more hesitation on depositing the money than I would about keeping the money. Like I feel confident about being able to get home without being followed and being able to be in possession of it. But I feel like I would always have this allotment of cash sitting on my persons or hidden somewhere away from the family. Well, well, see, this is need- where you need land or an area big enough to where you've got a good hiding spot. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, I, I feel pretty confident I could put that money somewhere that I wouldn't worry about anybody finding it, but it's of no use to you. Though. How right. quick into your taking possession of said land did you start to identify your good hiding spaces? I'd say day one. Yeah. I feel like I would walk the property either during mm-hmm. my viewing or the first day after taking possession. Well, the pro move. Start evaluating is- the grounds for, okay, what's diggable? And the, where can I bury like a an oil bucket or the, oil barrel? The pro move is to look at the property adjacent to your property. Yeah. And start to to scope things out. Because that's a second level of secrecy. Because then they can know warrants would not include stuff outside of your property line. And that's if, right. they, if and they if find stuff is found there, you could say, hey, I mean, hell, it ain't even my, my property. property. How could it be mine? Now, of course, you run the risk of someone else discovering something. Right. And, you know, somebody may go to prison that doesn't deserve it, but, I mean... Not my problem. Exactly. But if it's something that they can't prove... I'll put some money on their books. They can't put on them, you know, then all you've lost is whatever items that you may have secreted on their property. (laughs) Secreted is a horrible (laughs) word to use there. But so we agree, we would dispose... Well, not dispose, but we would hide this money. If it was a larger sum than we're assuming at 27.5, like an un unhealthy amount right are you depositing it in your bank at any oh no 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 you're keeping it as cash until you spend it or launder it it's gonna be and it's gonna have to be doled out in the most innocuous ways possible i I agree kids allowance well if it's hundred dollar bills you can't really like and that that goes into the denomination it's far easier i would assume to move 20s and lower yeah yeah. Than a 50 and a 100. Yeah. Or heaven forbid, thousands. I mean, I think if you, let's say you get past the hurdles of it's not counterfeit and you get it laundered through a casino or something like that. Now you've got 27.5 of legitimate cash. I mean, I would have no, what I would probably do, well, at that point, you don't even have to worry about sitting on it. I was going to say at first, I might sit on it for a little while just to make sure. Yeah, but after you've had it laundered, it's Yeah, but after it's laundered, it's good to go. I mean, I I wouldn't have no problem depositing it in increments. Yes, it has Um, to be incremental, so you're not triggering the, what's the trigger? uh, $10,000 is uh, is lower than that, I think. Well, it depends. Maybe two or three 
It I depends. know 10 is the withdrawal trigger. It depends on the bank too. Yeah. And it depends on even the, the, the branch. Like yes. I know that the banks have like their set rules, but that doesn't feel always filter down maybe to the, more. the branches. And either. if you all of a sudden just show up every Friday depositing a thousand dollars in cash, right? That would be if you don't have a reason to have that, like, if you, and I, you know, this is way overthinking because this all goes back to the, it's dirty money. Yeah. You're you know, assuming. You're no, assuming. No amount of it could just be a generous gift. Even if it's, if, even if it's straight, if it's straight cash and you come into it in any way that's not a legitimate winning amount, like if somebody just walks up and leaves this in your house, you're liable until you can prove how you acquired it or at least you're going to pay taxes yeah, on it. Yeah. You're going to pay taxes on it. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I would just dole it out slowly and try to use it for non flashy means. Yeah, I mean it would it would take a while to go through that, and it, but as long as you felt like you had a safe place to put it, right. where it wasn't going to be either found or destroyed, then I mean it's not any different than having it in the bank, other than the small amount of interest you're going to earn on any kind of checking or savings account. What anyway, quantity would you carry with you on your persons on a regular basis? I mean, right now I usually do about 5K, so I mean, I guess I might up it a little. He's not kidding, folks. But high roller. I mean, I might go as the doors lock. No, I don't. Of course, I'm bad about not carrying cash. Yeah, exactly. Like that would be a red flag if all of a sudden I was carrying cash all the time. That's why I always think like, what quantity of cash? You know, prior to presidency, is our current president carrying on him at some period in time? Like. I do wonder still, like, what does, does the president carry a wallet? Does he need a key fob? Right. You know, <laughs> what's in his pocket at any point in time? Does he have a pocket knife? Does There's no he, chance. Zero chance. No. But who's, who's got but, a pocket knife at this, uh, at this junction right now in this room? Definitely. I've you. got a pocket knife in my vehicle. I don't have one in my I pocket. I only have one. What is this kind of knife? And I need an explanation. I purchased this on accident. That's a steak knife. I purchased this on accident. That would be a typically what would be a neck knife or something. Yeah, exactly. A, it was on a lanyard. Yeah. Well, it's got a skinning hook on it. There. Exactly. Yes. So that is for. This was purchased at Academy. This was supposed to be my river knife, and I meant to get another fold knife so you can so cut. Let inner, me see that. You can, let me you see can that separate the inner tubes and right. cut your twine, do all that bullshit. Yeah. But I just like it because it looks badass. I watch the Knife Channel a lot, and I've said this multiple times, and that's not a joke. I love watching Knife Channel just because I don't know that I could live with having a big, great big James Bowie knife hanging around <laughs> the house. But I love watching them into the block of wood, and they just rotate that some bitch around on a lazy Susan. Yeah, I'm just like, this looks badass. And then they break out the katanas. I'm like, these are two different markets. I don't want a katana. And a James Bowie knife. I want a serrated fucking crocodile Dundee type knife well, hanging out. Those are two different needs, you know. I want one in my bed stand just because I don't think the landlord's going to let an AR hang out in the house for <laughs> fucking property protection. Well, it's hard you, to put one of those in a bed stand. Anyway. If you ever want to get into that, then I can certainly help you build one. Knives or ARs? Both. See? Hey, I'm not, I'm not, I'm you not realize as, we're, we're going somewhere one day to build, uh. I'm not as good at building knives. I can do it. Okay. But well, there's the going to be. I can build. Well, I'm, I would be the exact opposite. I could help you more with a knife. Smith. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can forge in the anvil, so but. With whatever time we do have left, I do have this question. Time, I mean, 
I do want to answer the question of end of the world scenario. I think is always uh, it's enchanting to me. I asked that question before. Yes, you did ask. End of the world hits. Apocalypse hits. Whether it's zombie or whatever ending you may imagine, you've confirmed that your family's gone. You know, and you've gotten past the brink of emotional ties. You know that there's nobody else to seek out and like go check on them first. Suicide's out. What does the first 36 hours of that point forward look like? Once you've come to grips, like this is the beginning for you. Like, Hey, all right, family's gone. Get over it. And what's the next 36 hours like look like for you? Cause I assume for you, it's like, okay, go down into school bus level one. And begin <laughs> and open up MREs. Yeah, day I mean, one. You're, you're talking to a prepper there. <laughs> uh, he's got a full, he's got a full storage container full of mashed potatoes. Yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> yeah, he's like, I try to buy he's the got a full schematic plan. I try to buy the microwaveable Uncle Ben's just to get used to eating MREs, but, uh, that's about as far as it go, or the golden Yukons that are like right. add powdered water yeah, no, or add water and, and it's, it's that's oil. good to have in your larder. Gus <laughs> already has a topped up handbook for this very situation. So now you joke. No, I know, <laughs> but I have it's handwritten. And, and it's I, not typed. I, I haven't done this, but I need to. But I do need to make a a, a binder of. This is where this is at, and this is what this does, and this is how you do this right. for the event. Because I haven't been traveling a lot lately, but obviously I travel a lot normally. And I usually carry, especially if I'm going to the same place over and over, Yeah, I have a get-home bag. Yeah. That would be a hard press to get home from wherever I'm at, but it would be possible. Right. Now, in any survival situation, apocalypse like or whatever. It's a go bag, but yeah. 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 The first thing you need to make sure of is that you are physically safe. Now, that could mean that you're out of the elements. It could mean that the zombies can't get to you where you're at. Right. Or a horde of rednecks outside of your upscale luxury apocalypse community. That's right. You want a location first. So you need safe to location. my answer, but I want to hear you. So you out. need to make sure that physically you're safe. Then your next priority is, and by physical safeness, I also include shelter from the weather yeah. and everything like that. Because you know, most situations that we have to imagine, fallout is a legitimate concern. Yes. Right. And radiation, That's a. We, there's some other things there, so you need to have your... Beyond your immediate your abilities, you've got to realize that you can't stop that until you can find shit to stop right. that. Right. Your next need after that is obviously water. Yeah. And then after that comes food. Now... There's a declining curve of neediness for food over overall performance after a certain point. Absolutely. But 36 hours, most people, if they're healthy, will yeah, be fine. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's why I think that's an interesting frame, because you watch, what is it, uh, Naked and Afraid? Have y'all seen that yeah. at all? Yeah. I think they do a decent enough job, at least, of perpetuating the realism of when you have no amenities, period, or no resources, like... You're going to resort to, not, they don't put them in shitty, they put them in shitty situations, but they don't force them anything. They just say survive. Right. Right. But you realize quickly, like, okay, day three, four, five, you can only play, hey, I'm in timeout for so long mentally and physically. Well, and, I did, one of the first things I'm going to do too is like, if you're saying like family and everybody like that is gone, yeah. is try to see if I can hook up with somebody else I know. Yes. Because going solo is def, your chances 
go way down. Yeah. And, and well, I mean, family friends are gone. Right. So, but, but making, uh, alliances. but even if it's, yeah, yeah. yeah, even if it's just finding someone sure, that you can hook up with yeah. and like, we're going to team this thing. Yes, Double ben, dragging that shit. Because I get amused by the people that are of the, I want to go it alone in these scenarios. Yeah. And you can't be awake 24 seven if there is a security problem. Right. You know, you can do things about alarms and stuff, but, and there's force multipliers, but overall you need other people and you just need other people for other things. Like if I was going to have to start trying to procure food and let's say it's not safe to go try to loot the Walmart or anything, right? hunting is hard. Trapping is hard. Yeah. Fishing is hard. I mean, sometimes, you know, if you fish enough, you don't always catch anything on a day. Now, some people, you know, they're on guides and, you know, they're going to specific places, but you're... But even then, the quantities that you're going to catch, I mean, you're not freezing anything. Oh, no. You have to to consume. Like, even if you were to go have the best day anyone could ever have bass fishing or whatever kind of fishing... Fuck it, shrimp boat fishing. That's only going to last so long. Right. You do have to assume power is going to go at some point. So. You know, one of the things, and I think about this a lot, is that our population density versus our non-commercial food source density is so inverted mm-hmm. that the level of famine that would occur it would be astronomical. And we've seen, and someday there'll be a city of Gustav about it, <laughs> with like the great leap forward in China of as they tried to eradicate the birds that were eating the crops. Yeah. That in turn enabled everything that the birds were eating, like the locust, to come in and just eat everything then because yeah. there was no natural balance because they took out this this level of the food chain. The same thing would happen where the few people that could procure food, they could become commercial hunters in this new barter economy. Right. But only for so long would the environment sustain that. Well, and the same thing for fuel. Like right now in Texas, there's not enough wood to get through a winter for the population that's here. Agreed. With, with, uh, you were saying about the procurement of food, like does the existence of a working human society, whether it be, allowing us to go poison all the rampant wild hogs to control that population or leasing out land to legitimately control some hunted population, keep those that population of animal or species intact. Without all those things, like, yeah, I agree the resources would decline, but would not there be some sort of pushback in the other direction from the fact that we're not then keeping our thumb on all of the scales? Well, the, you would have certain species that probably would flourish. So, but, but you would have a lot too, to where they would overpopulate themselves, and then they would die of like starvation. That kind no, of thing. That's like, one of the places I'm going. I'm going to the bottom of all the boats in Lake, in Lake Lewis. I've never a- eaten a zebra mussel. Uh, you'd be probably better served to try to go dig regular mussels. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I agree. They but just seem to be a problem. I've seen de- a lot of signs. Well, the they, deer yeah, waste away. They do go nuts. Yeah, the deer would be an issue. They would die of starvation. Probably any small pond would be out overfished in no time. Yeah. yeah. Bird population, it would just depend because... If it's a long-term survival situation, cartridge-based guns are going to only last so long. Agreed. I don't own a flintlock, which would be... I could make the gunpowder for a flintlock, and I could load it with damn rocks if I had to, if it was smoothbore. So 
that would last longer. But cartridge based, just on the on, I mean, there's some ways that you could make primers, but that's really out there. It would be something that eventually it would outlast it, and then you would see a swing back of the population. But if you've eradicated it out of an area like where we live, I assume a hundred years ago there was a shitload of wild turkeys, right? But where we're from, it was uncommon to see a wild turkey. Yeah, with things like. And you're, you're discussing, like, okay, if the availability of weaponry decreases as far as being able to use bullets, that, that will decrease. Yes, there's a finite amount of that right. until you have the equipment or the ability to be able to operate these things. I don't want to say, okay, then you revert to being able to bow and arrow hunt, but to some degree... We would have the engineering available to maintain some hunting skills. Oh yeah, oh yeah, with the more yeah. rudimentary ability. He, he bow hunts. Yeah, yeah. And even if you had to go and start building your own bows and arrows, that's possible. Sure. And sure. you could figure it out if you had. If you just have a basic tinkering skill, you could figure out how to do that. And I feel like you would more likely be more equipped or more more suited to discover how to make your own arrows. And then find a crossbow or find a bow that's mechanical and then maintain said bow and then just re be able to replenish right. your ammo for that. There, there's, there's no doubt that granted it, what you wouldn't be able to have the polyfibers and right. Right. all that would, shit. And you know, we grew up frog gigging. Sure. And so even without the, me- the metallic aspect of it and the metal's not going to go away. So. There used to be a really, uh, you could figure out how to do that with bamboo or cane or whatever. You could keep on propagating that level of tool to do that job. You could squirrel you hunt with a blowgun. Squirrel hunt with a blowgun is heavy, would like to do. <laughs> he was, like blow dart? Yeah. Yeah. What? That was the title of this week's, last week's episode. I need to go back and listen to that one. I have he not just popped that. out. It's like, and you ever, you ever squirrel hunted with a blowgun? I like, like to like, go. Yeah, between that squirrel hunting with a blowgun. Everybody's done I'll it. I'll go on record and say I've not listened to Whataburger Gate 2017. Oh, yeah. So I will not voice an opinion on this matter, but it is on my list of to-dos tomorrow. Um, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm skewed pretty bad right now over my last couple of Whataburger You've had some bad time. Incidents. I, I ate Whataburger last night after the four-hour uh, karate thing. You will have some bad goes, though. And it was fine. Yeah. But again, I'm at the rural Whataburger where right. they can take their time. And you know what? One of the ladies work that took my order, she has been working for that particular Whataburger, whether it's wherever it's been at, for at least the last 20 years. I believe it. I, I think that part of mine is I am spoiled by where my Whataburger is at. Hey, I love the burgers. I'm just saying that recently the taquitos seem to be going downhill. And Are they watery? I like to say, I haven't heard, so like, I haven't heard your opinion. Like Jake behind that horse for a second. On the TV. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking be. of which, this is a show on Viceland. It's about dropping off a group of fucking millennials. I say that as if I'm can't right, be roped into that. I was told I was Gen like Xer and then Gen Y, like they just keep redrawing these circles. But this dropping a group of people off, like in Venezuela or something, and trying to make them build a society, which the only problem is like. Interesting. They're all very aware that they have a very hefty safety net, and right. none of it seems like they go to a primitive level. But their goal is set higher more than surviving. It's like 
to create to actually create like oh, an yeah. actual thriving society, not just hey live here for. And so this three ties weeks. a little bit into your question. Yeah. Um, and son of a bitch, heavy lost the book, and I haven't found a copy of it because it's out of print. But there was a a book called Coming, I think, to Coming, America. No, Coming Together. Oh. And it was written by a journalist in the late seventies or through the sixties. I think it was Beatles. <laughs> through, through the 60s into the early 70s. I just got wrong who yes. fucking wrote Coming to Come Together. <laughs> and it was about intentional communities and how communes and other type of intentional communities. And the problem they all ran into was that nobody wants to do the bullshit work. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's fine. Oh, I want to write poetry and I want to do this and we're going to have this, right. this, you know, great thing. Well, when it comes time to clean out the shit out of the latrine, yeah, or nobody's to, raising their hand for that to job. do the dishes or something. And then if they made a a random rotator of scheduling where everybody does that job a little bit, then it, the work suffers for the important jobs where maybe only one person really knows how to farm. Well, now you're talking about why socialism doesn't work. Exactly, and it was a fascinating book, and the guy had gone around to all these communes and stuff and seen all this these problems firsthand, and then comes back home to his wife. He's like, hey, let's start a commune. And, of course, that doesn't work either. <laughs> right. But I need to try to find that book on, on the Internet and see if I can find it. Cause Is it more or less exciting than Surviving Y2K the Amish way? It was a better read than Surviving Y2K, The Amish Way. I want to read that. But that's not a bad book either. I'm sure it's great. It's, it's, it's got a lot of like photocopied parts. It's very homemade published. I guess I'm waiting on the movie. That's a good example to think of like, you mentioned the, uh, luxurious, luxurious community that's nearby and may have advertised more than they should ever have advertised if they were legitimate about what they're looking to do. And we did a, we did an episode about yeah. Trident Lakes that we ended up scrapping. That's right. Well, I just feel like... They got to us. And, and, and it's probably no different than what you guys already said, but if you're going to do that... Yes. Great. Whatever. I get it. The fact that they said, hey, this will last 10 years, but it also has all this, like, you wouldn't scrap, like, two marble columns to make this last 15 years. Like, yeah. that theory one... Two, it becomes a part of my first 36-hour plan to remember, oh, Trident Lakes is out there. I will beat all those rich MFers who are going back and looking for their families and haven't quite cleared their family and beat them to their space and try to get in. Yeah. Like, unless they've got a guard at the door and they're just sitting waiting on some biometric fingerprint, and when they are, I've got homeboy's thumb in my hand. Yeah. Yeah, Like, it seems counterproductive to advertise it that much. So, in the prepper world, which I... (laughs) I have been labeled as part of. There's he, he concept, knows the handshake. There's a concept of the gray man, and the gray man idea is that you don't draw attention to yourself. Right, absolutely. You're just a nondescript. Like instead of having like for my get home bag, it doesn't have. It's not a like a a camo backpack. Right, it's not labeled. You know, it's not. <laughs> it's it's just a it's just a backpack. Yeah. And so the idea that you're going to go and build a giant water fountain off the highway and you're going to publish publicize that you're this upscale survival community in an area that is not upscale. That's all better armed than you are with people that are 
don't have a whole lot to lose. It'd be to the begin first with. place that's overrun. It's just a ter- it's a terrible plan. But with that thought, I guess I, I should recognize that I'm not the only person with the thought that hey, you go there, like because whoever's closest with the same thought that I have would be the person that goes there and actually just locks it down. Right. right. And then well, lets nobody else and, in. And the other problem with that location that I see is that where they're building that place at, it can't be locked down. Yeah. There's not security problems. Not in its current real world that it lives in, it can't be locked down. I my understanding was that it was major was is it not all underground? Well, they they may physically have it underground, but the piece of land is on frontage road. Uh-huh. And it has a railroad going through it. Right. And I, it think has, I think we discussed location think, yeah. briefly at so some point. So it has a railroad cro- crossing part of it, and it has a natural gas pipeline going the other way. So until, and I don't like to use the term, the shit hits the fan, yeah. but until there's a situation, legally they can't do anything to stop the people that have the natural easements of the railroad or the natural gas from even coming on there. So it's not like you can build a wall around this place. Right. Yeah, I, I enjoyed watching the, you know, the people who buy containers and bury them and then build a ventilation system. And really, that's usually the biggest thing that people have to figure out and to correct is that you've got to make sure that you have a space that can deal with fallout. Because again, I, while I be- I almost said I believe in the undead, while <laughs> I believe in watching shows that, that uh, perpetuate the belief of the undead, you know, I would assume that the first thing you're going to have to deal with is somebody's fuck up or sure an actual premature provocation of, you know, uh, Pyongyang and, and that hits somewhere in fucking Vegas. And, and it may not ever, the fall may not reach Dallas or right. the East Coast or whatever, but there'll be a situation in which there's like a fucking lull and like, Oh fuck, what happens? And, It'll right. take a while for the fucking top to stop spinning, I would say. So for for fallout. Yeah. Obviously duct tape, well, fucking non porous yeah. clothing. But <laughs> those are the only two things I know of right now. <laughs> now you can buy this online and it's it's not a it's just a it's basically treated like a vitamin, but you can buy potassium iodine. And all potassium iodine does for you is bind the iodine or our thyroid collects iodine. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems with a nuclear blast and fallout is it has radioactive iodine isotopes in it. So our thyroid naturally would grab onto that and absorb it as we ingest it in whatever way, shape, or form, and then eventually you're going to get cancer from it. Yeah. Potassium iodine, you take that before the fallout hits, it binds in your thyroid instead. It's inert. It's not radioactive. And at least you don't have to worry about thyroid cancer. Which is generally fatal. And if we have a situation where there is wide-scale triage happening, just because you got radiation sickness, you're probably going to be pretty low down on the uh, the totem pole. So anyway, you can do that. It doesn't cost much. You can buy... How many of them do you have at home? It's pill form for and adults. tablets or whatever, yeah. It's tablets, and it's you can get it in liquid form for your kids. <laughs> so... Hypothetically. Hypothetically. In post-apocalyptic situations, do you think that people assume too much of, like, the thought that people will want to maintain 
Like, obviously we know that the person is a cashier at Kroger who, A, I don't think can fucking do their job now, will want to maintain their job after. Like, they're going to want a different job. Like I said, they want to be doing some other shit they're probably not good at. But do we assume too much that the person that's a physician in current day or a mechanic or a carpenter will want to continue those roles after the turn? Like, yes, those are skills that they can utilize to maintain their, you know, to be, to create themselves an asset. But I do imagine that there are plenty of mechanics and carpenters who, if given the option, would not be a fucking mechanic or carpenter that they only got that way because, like, it was the only thing they didn't need to have a felony on their record to become. Yeah. I mean, I think once you get past the initial stage of just surviving and right. then it gets to be a matter of what, you know, that, you can actually use what skills you have to continue on that kind of thing. Some, I mean, I think some of the people would because either they enjoy doing it or they know that's just their best that's skills. So, yeah, that's that, the way that's they can, what they can do. Right. That's what they can do to survive. Yeah. I, I think there would definitely be some realignment for non-essential in this new world. Right. So if you're a librarian, you may still want to maintain a, you know, these important books, but you're really going to realize at some point that you have to also produce for the society. Right. And then you may need to fucking reorient those skills. I don't know. Obviously my brain fucking goes on fire when I think of post-apocalyptic situations. And and when you watch something uh, like, so this is something that is in the, in the forefront of people's minds because of shows like Walking Dead mm-hmm. and all the zombie shows. For us, we lived through the day after. Red Dawn. Red Dawn and a whole shitload Red Dawn's of, good, by of the way. Italian apoc- and Mad Max and stuff like that. All these Italian apocalypse movies that were super shitty. Right. Basically spaghetti apocalypse yeah, yeah. movies. And so that was, and we lived under a very ominous nuclear specter maybe not as much as our parents did in the 60s but it was certainly forefront for us right cold war was in full effect you know up until the end of high school we were shitting bricks i used to look up as weird trails like even still to my point where i'm like oh i was forced to duck and cover for quite some time and not even they weren't even saying oh this is only when tornadoes happen like it was just a drill that was written into curriculum absolutely right and so, you know, it's one of those things. Walking the dinosaur. <laughs> I, I don't, and this is my disclaimer. I don't prep for the end of the world. Okay. My entire thing, especially since I travel a lot, is that so that my family could shelter in place if there is some type of disruption of service. Right. Whether that was, God forbid, an actual nuclear war, maybe some type of health emergency. Or a power outage. Right. Something like that. Or civil unrest. You know, we, I, I live in a place that's, would probably be pretty sheltered from most things happening. It would take a while for Which critical you think, mass. Though, I mean, you realize that you have to realize that sprawl, like people like me would say, based on the rudimentary knowledge I have, like get the fuck out of yeah, Dodge as, as soon as possible. Like, yeah, you, if, if I were in this building on the seventh floor and I've got a refrigerator full of stuff, like, yeah, I would know to ride it out for a week until I felt like, okay, get the hell out. But the longer that I wait, the more blockades, it, it, yes. you know, because it's just like when you see, but for you, like, I would say that the ripples are going to get outward 
quicker than you may imagine. Oh, no, th- there's no doubt. Especially yeah. the fact that I don't live exactly on the main corridor, right. but I live on, I live close enough to a main corridor that that's always been. Where uh, somebody's going to think they're one step smarter and be like, okay, okay, well, this is my fucking yes. space to go look yes. at. And right. there's no doubt about that. And, and the fact that you see it when there's a hurricane evacuation, mm-hmm. the gridlock, that would be, I mean, it's bad enough yeah. on Friday afternoon when people are trying to get out of exactly. town. Exactly. But the gridlock that would happen, but eventually it would get there. I don't live that far enough right. out. And I don't want to live that far enough out. But you would have to go into versus like Exodus mode, the way it would be around here. You would have to go into protection mode. Yes. Turtle shell. Yes. Yeah. Cause and, you know, that's why it's important to at least stay on good terms with your neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. Because like we talked about earlier in going into the double dragon mode, I can't stay awake 24-7, but if you have a group of neighbors that you can, you know, pull together with, then maybe you could at least offer each other some... And that goes back to the old, you know, stockade versus the Indians frontier mentality is that I can't... I'm not going to be able to stand on this on my own, but if we all pulled together at this point, right. we could protect one another. Circle so the wagons. I think you would definitely eventually get to something like that if it went on too long. But my main thing is just that my family could sit it out at home because we've had it where we've lost power. We've had it where, you know, and so we had propane heaters to help in the cold. Yeah. We've had it where our water supply, we're on a co-op water where that's gone down. Well, I've got water in bulk. You can still cook and you can still flush the toilets and all that. I've had it where on Christmas Eve, Mrs. Gustav ran out of sugar while she was baking. Well, I can go grab this seven-gallon bucket of sugar and she can have all the sugar she needs. How long, and and I guess I'll leave this as my wrap-up, I should say, how long do you think... Because I think the power grid mentioned that would probably be the the first domino, the easiest domino to knock down that would create the that would create silver unrest. Yeah. How many days do you think that you would have a widespread power grid knockout? So your internet's down, your radio's down for right. the most part, which goes works differently, and you would be able to get some communication that way. I guess that would be the the X factor if you had an actual AM FM radio, but your access to electronics and power is down for what? How many days do you think before you're like, okay, maybe we should panic. It wouldn't take long before you kick in your reserves and right. your generators and everything like that. But how many days before you're like, okay, you know, there's before you a, see this is something a little I bit begin, more permanent. Yeah. Before I need to then begin thinking defensive more so than like right. survival. You know, I don't know. That reminds me sort of a movie. And I don't know if you ever saw it. It was called Testament. No, it came out about the time day after came out and there's a nuclear war and the father had gone off to the city for work. And so you have a mom and her two kids in a more of a rural California town and she has to deal with the repercussions of this. And it, it really fucked with my head when I was a kid. Thinking about it right now, it fucks with my head. I guess that's the way I, I'm, why I am that way I am. Um, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. I think that probably I would start talking to my neighbors pretty quickly. Yeah. 
about, you know. What do you know? You what have you heard? And, what have you seen? You know, and that would be one of those things. I don't, ha- I, I have neighbors right next to me. My land is back behind right, me. Right, right, right. But it's one of those things I would definitely start to, and I would watch out, you know, I have my stuff, and then but I have some elderly neighbors too. So I would try to, you know, I, I don't know that I would try to Knock bring them, them all in. first. Uh, yeah, take all their procure stuff, procure their resources, and, and you know what? And I don't get all Darwin on them. Where my where my tipping point would be, where I would yeah. become cutthroat, I don't know because my nature is not that way. Yeah, I so, feel like about forty five minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be hours off. I'd be scalping people. I said twenty minutes without internet. (laughs) You're hanging like that old morning latte sketch on SNL. Right, you got a head on a pack. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know, but it's one of those things where I do think it's important to have a little bit of a sense of community beforehand. You know, I read, and I don't read them that much anymore, but. I remember it was a real big, you would see the bug out bag tubs mm-hmm. thing, which I think having a 72 hour kit is very important. But for, yeah, for any of the instances, you don't have to be ridiculous or outlandish or crazy right. to realize like nothing has to go wrong. It's just somebody can just fuck up and sneeze and fucking fall well, on the button and be like, Hey, you're without power for right. Right. We could have a, so, we could have a, a solar storm, You know, a fucking a tornado hits you. You've got nothing. Right. That's right. But. I also Solar started to see this said, thing. Yeah, I, I walked all over that I one. I know. It, uh, <laughs> I called it an inch bag. What? An inch bag is an acronym for I'm never coming home. So now, you're going out for cigarettes. So who do you, <laughs> who do you think would be a proponent of an inch bag? Uh, old Mikey. No, no. This would be 20 something living with their parents. Life hadn't really been going real gotcha. great for. Gotcha. And it's absurd to see these. You want to look them up and see, you type that in, you'll find people. Because first off, the people that I've seen do these couldn't survive for a week. Right. Even with all the shit. And these bags are gigantic. Like that. This bag have a comb in them. This, <laughs> these bags have, these bags, I don't think these guys could carry these bags for a mile. It's like the caterpillar bag, backpacks. <laughs> yes. Right. It's just great, and but you have to have a level of of uh, reasonable, and you have to be you know physically fit and stuff like that. But it just makes my head hurt to think that these people think that they could survive. That's why I think most people, unless you're in the seventh floor of a high rise, <laughs> are better home, off sheltering in place and riding it out if possible. Right, and even here you. Could, Take a crap off the balcony, you know. Yeah, I, I could certainly get by for a reasonable amount of time. If nothing else, I could get by as long as the outer gates were fortified. The only thing is then I would be forced to figure out, okay, then what is the world within these gates yes. and what resources available? Who's a problem, et cetera, et cetera. Who you got to take care of. Exactly. Well, it kind of depends on the time of year too, as far as the weather and everything like that. If it's the middle of the August. I will say if it's summer in here, I'm fucked. Right. It's a gosh damn microwave and this shit. Like that's also part of the reason I'm trying to get the fuck out of here soon because, uh, I try to do one, one viewing at 4 PM come July, middle of July. This shit ain't selling 95 degrees. You're stuck here until winter. Exactly. Well, we lost power this summer. For three or four days. Mm -hmm. And I stayed in the house one night. I went ahead and shipped the family out. And my house was built in the early 50s. So it's got lots of 
windows and stuff. Yeah. Did but, you have your full headdress on? Yes. Yes, I was in, wearing nothing but a bustle and a loincloth and a roach headdress. Yes, sir. And a roach. And I'm not as tough as my great-grandparents. I can tell you that right now because they didn't have air conditioning until the yeah. very end. And that was it was okay the first night. The second night it was getting hotter. Yeah. I was like, fuck this. I'm, I went and got, and I had to fly out the next day anyway. So I went and got a hotel just to have a few hours so that I wasn't totally spent when I went back on the road. I don't know. It's one of those things I treat it like any of my preparations. I treat it like a fire extinguisher. With that in mind, would you relocate from my house or to a different location? Like different, yeah, like different climate. Po- yeah. At the point that you realize this is a permanent thing, would you start trying to go to a different area? I, it would only make sense. I just don't know what direction would be better. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, your best location climate-wise is going to be somewhere like San Diego or Start somewhere like west, that. That's, maybe. That's, or at least somewhere know, with some elevation where you have some control over uh, it. Yeah. Well, here, here's the thing that I've noticed traveling around this great land. Traveling down the dusty road. Going to meet my friends. <laughs> Looking for a good time. Looking for what's real. Leaving one person left that was there that wasn't there. Yes. <laughs> I don't know that there's a perfect spot. Agreed. Ideally, I would have timber, and ideally, I would have a good food source and mild climate. And that would push me towards the Pacific Northwest. But then yeah. you got to deal with the rain. Yeah. So I don't know, but Oregon was pretty kick-ass, but I can't make it to Oregon I, yeah, I, that's the thing is getting there too. That's the yeah. crazy thing. You know, I have this idea that if I, I have that get home bag, which would be a struggle to get home. But if, if I was stranded and I, and even if I didn't know that my family was still alive, right, I would do everything I could to course. get back and it would be tough. But when I fly, if I'm not asleep, I do look at the terrain because it's usually the same route each time. And I'm like, well, okay, this is what, and, when I've been on the East Coast, it's always like, this would be problematic, this would be problematic, but I could do this. It might take me a year, mm-hmm. but I could do that. Yeah. But man, when I was flying up to Oregon. You get over the Appalachian, and then, then it's just more time than effort. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I say that. Yeah. And again, I haven't mowed a lawn in two decades. Right. But, <laughs> but flying over Utah? Yeah. Holy shit. You know, or Nevada. There's or, a reason we gave it to the... Oh my gosh. I'm that's, sorry. that's probably a good note to end. Yeah, I think yeah. that's probably a good part. Well, let's All right, wrap it well, up. Thank you, KJ, so thank much. Y'all. Yes. Thank you for entertaining my uh post apocalyptic uh no, curiosity. It's, it's great stuff. It's, that's uh shit I've wondered about constantly. And when you and go figure your, Sanger's finest is not the best person to bounce <laughs> it off of. When you get your uh, new domicile, we can uh we can get the basics. Yes. Try. I, I, I'll need to do a once over pest control is on my list. A once over spray that yard uh, for chiggers. <laughs> Just sold so the whole thing. So problematic of the most like innocuous thing in nature. By the landlord's mom will come do her whole landscape thing, and then I'm gonna need hiding spot identification, weapon hiding, varmint fucking handling, and then where do I bury my barrels full of prep shit? Yeah, because you can do, you know, some of that stuff you can combine with like a storm shelter mm-hmm. situation right. where it's good, you know, for 
tornadoes in this area, and it's also a great place I'm to store stuff. I'm gonna have stuff. a safe room. I, I'm gonna need uh, I'm gonna need an accessible. We don't have time, and I don't have the, the background right now. But there, were, and we can talk about it further down the line. There was a Canadian professor that hand dug and hand poured concrete, mixed it by hand. I think it was like four stories below his regular basement. That's insane. That was his entire life's work. Every night after work. To code, too. Well, I don't know about that, but. <laughs> I think you'd have red tagged that red, uh, real quick, but. <laughs> yeah, but it was something else. So, but we can certainly, uh, we can certainly help well, each other we'll out. We'll have that. to pick this topic back up. All I right. appreciate y'all, uh, inviting me. It's been oh, quite no. some time in this the works. This is what we wanted, and I, I wish Heavy was here, and I wish Clay was here, but we'll. Next time. We'll have to do a full roundup. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you can always email us at your preparation ideas <laughs> or your ideas for a dank trash bag full of money at can you hear me pod at gmail.com. And I guess we'll talk to you later. I was going to say go fuck yourself, but hey, it's your, it's I think your the world. T- the correct term would be adios. Oh, my bad. <laughs> I fucked up. Bye. <laughs> I can't still heavy sing. recorded on tape before a live audience. And world-class championship wrestling, I'm Bill Mercer with Jay Saldy. Good night from Dallas, Texas.